Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. podcast from the International Motorsports Association and Radio Show Limited. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission. Live from Trackside, this is IMSA Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome along to our extended coverage of the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship at the Tyrac.com Battle on the Bricks. We're at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for a packed weekend of action, uh, and this is our first live coverage from Super Saturday. Plenty to come today, including a four-hour Michelin Pilot Challenge race that will end in full darkness. We'll have that in sound and vision for you if you're outside the US. We'll also, for everybody, whether you're in the US or anywhere else in the world, I have the qualifying for, Mich- for, uh, wor- for WeatherTech Sports Car Championship as well. Uh, that is live. No subscription required. The World Feed TV available in the US and everywhere else. That comes a bit later on this afternoon. But before that, the uh, final opportunity for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship cars to go out on the track and make sure that they are all set and ready to go. Shea Adam is down in the pits and we'll be talking to her in just a few moments' time. Jeremy Short joins me, John Hindorf, in the Global Broadcast Centre. Another lovely day at Indianapolis. Air temperature 14 Celsius. Uh, that's around about 57 Fahrenheit, but it's quite early in the morning there. 66 Fahrenheit on the track. Uh, That is 19 Celsius. 27 degrees here in the centre of the UK at the moment. Absolutely glorious. Too hot almost to sit out at lunchtime. Uh, Let's uh, let's head into uh, our coverage then. Thanks for joining us here on RS2, the home of IMSA Radio. The WeatherTech Sports Car Championship on IMSA Radio. And let's get down to the pit lane straight away. Shay Adam is down there for us. Uh, just one car at pit out, Shay. Hello. Yes, good morning. Uh, people are getting ready for this beautiful day of running at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And one of the most excited people has to be Patrick Gallagher. Because, Patrick, yesterday you and Turner Motorsports put on quite the show in practice and got your name and number, more importantly, to the top of the charts. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, awesome to be here at Indy with the Turner guys. Um, we'll see. Just practice. So I don't think everybody's gone yet. Um, see how this one goes. And then, obviously, qualifying. We'll know where we stack up. But we got a good car, and the guys are working hard, and we're just keep chipping away at it, trying to make it better each session. It was a really good showing at VIR as well. Got back to the podium, the second step. It's been close a couple of times this year. What's it going to take to get Turner to victory lane at Indy? Yeah, I mean, GTD is so competitive, right? And we're, we're in the game. The guys are calling good strategy, and they're, and they're putting fast race cars together. So uh, we just need a, need a solid race, and we'll have a shot. You know, I don't think we're the fastest car here this weekend, but that doesn't mean we can't win, you know. Um, we just uh, have to have a solid race, and eventually it'll it'll happen. 
I know your sister car has a great record at this track. Chandler Hull in particular has done the eight hour three times and won it three times. But for you guys in the 96 with Lick Lamali representing on the car once again this weekend, how badly do you want to beat your sister car and get the first win for the team? Yeah, I mean, we want them to get second, right? Uh, we want to win and we want to turn her one too. But yeah, we do have Lick Lamali uh, on board this weekend um, and some guests coming, so it'd be good to win in front of them. and. And the Bellhaven people are originally from Indianapolis, so uh, you know all that helps. Um, I'm I'm from just a couple hours down the road, so I got some friends and family coming this weekend. So it will be a good weekend for uh, for a victory. That's that's no doubt. As if as if there's a bad weekend for a victory. Good luck this weekend, Patrick. Thank you very much. And Johnny was practically purring when I found him this morning because these conditions are ideal for a Midwest boy. I am sure they are. Thank you, Shay. A couple of minutes away from getting this one hour, 45 minutes session underway. Everybody gets an hour and 30 minutes. So we'll start with the uh, least experienced drivers. They go out on the track first. Uh, and then at the end, we have the pro drivers uh, in GTP and GTD pro for the last 15 minutes. Uh, and that... That's uh, hour and uh, well, hour and uh, fifteen minutes in the middle uh, is an all skate, and that's when it starts to get very busy indeed. Uh, good morning to Jeremy Sean. Welcome to the Global Broadcast Centre. How are you, Jeremy? I am well, thank you very much indeed. Uh, good to be back as ever, and uh, yeah, it looks uh, pretty chilly, I'd say, in Indianapolis. But uh, hey, it's it's supposed to be a nice day, uh, and I'll drink to that, ready to go. Um, I'm taking a, a note out of your book. I've, I've got a nice big mug of tea alongside me to get me through this. I'm saving the sacred coffee for later. Although I did start the day here uh, with some iced sacred coffee. Uh, and uh, we, we'll save the rest for our evening race tonight because it's a bit of a long shift uh, this evening. Going into the early hours here uh, in Europe. What are we going to see in this session, Jeremy? It was fairly uneventful yesterday for free practice one. The 31 Cadillac went behind the wall, but then came out right at the very end, the Wheel and Engineering uh, red and uh, red and dark grey car. But other than that, it was it was pretty much people getting out there and turning laps. It was. You know, lots of people turned to you know, turned a lot of laps really during that session. It was it was it was pready clear. Don't think there were any red red flags were there. And uh, you know, the the only car that didn't cover at least uh, thirty. You know, there were two cars that didn't do more than thirty laps. One was the um, the uh, Andretti Autosport Aston Martin, which had a an exhaust failure of some sort. Uh, so that their bad luck continues. And aside from that, the only car was the one you mentioned, the Wheel and Engineering Cadillac, car number 31, that was behind the wharf for quite, quite some time. So I'm sure we'll find out what was wrong with that one. But everybody else turned, you know, the majority of cars turned more than 40 laps. So most of them had been here, well, most of the GTP cars at least, had been here for the test at the end of July. Uh, in the other classes, yeah, not, there are only sort of four or five takers in, in most of the other classes. There weren't a lot of other cars here during that test, but uh, they got plenty of track time in yesterday. So should be well prepared for today's race and just continue to prepare for tomorrow. So with the green flag in the air, the cars start to move out onto the circuit. Hello to those of you at the track. 
and particularly Tom Marshall Atkins down from Ohio already tweeted in I, I've decided you could make a living as a John Doonan lookalike uh, Tom uh, definitely uh, you could you know when it starts getting dangerous and John needs a standing um, you know if they change BOP or something then, <laughs> then you could you could certainly double for him no doubt no doubt about it um, Perhaps that's a way to get into the IMSA hospitality later on. I'm just, you know, just saying. Um, uh, also, uh, to those further afield in Florida this Saturday, uh, Jerry Z. Hello, Jerry. Hope you have had a productive week in the world of IT. And let us know where you're watching and uh, listening from at the moment. If you're trackside, where are you? At the famous Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, if you're further afield, what country are you in? Uh, plenty going on this weekend, so thank you very much indeed for spending some of your time with us. Big hello to Sarah in crew who was tuned in last night, and she'll be delighted to see that that 94 Andretti Aston Martin, the black, blue uh, and white car, the Who car, is back out. It was a, an exhaust issue on that car that just for a moment had uh, us wee bit worried Jared Andretti behind the wheel very sensibly drove it straight into one of the cutouts on the middle section of the circuit where the AMR safety team AMR safety team and indeed the track marshals were able to sort that out yesterday it uh, looked fairly scary for a moment not sure why there was so much flame coming out of that car but it did catch the bottom of the passenger side the right hand side uh, door share that car's just done a, an installation lap and he's back with you uh, what news from the team about uh, about what happened with that car did they get to the bottom of it because the worry would be that it was engine related well, that's why I came down to their box, was to try and talk to somebody to get an answer. There's a lot of smoke coming out from beneath the hood after the installation lap, and there is a new piece of carbon on the side skirt to represent the part where it did catch fire, but uh, a lot of smoke coming out, particularly near the air intake, so that's a little bit of a concern, uh, the crew giving it a once-over. But I just wanted to let you know that showing the replay from what happened yesterday on the big screens, the crew had a moment of panic and hearts dropped because they thought the car was catching on fire once again. So that tells me, no, they don't have a complete handle on what's going on. Yeah, that is that is a bit of a worry. Now, the, we said that uh, other than that car, which did cause a very brief red flag, but brief, uh, as I said, uh, the story of yesterday was people struggling in the heavy braking areas uh, around the run uh, from the speedway to the infield at turn one and also uh, the run from the speedway uh, down at turn 12 to the infield. And that has, uh, that has been repeated early this morning with the number 18 Aero Motorsport Orica and who's in that at the moment? Dwight Merriman having a wee spin it was just uh, had a couple of uh, text conversations with people last night people struggling a little bit with their brake ba balance um, and just getting the cars set up around here and there's another one that's gone around and that is the uh, crowd strike number 14 LMP2 car that's just gone out of the pits as well and is on the infield grass that's a yellow flag at the moment so long as that car can 
uh, get going again. And that was, again, just the rears not warmed up uh, on that car. Keep an eye on that for that 04, which is being piloted at the moment by... Who's just taking that car out of, the, out of the pits? They're doing a grand job trying to get it back onto the track on slightly damp uh, damp grass. It is George Kurtz behind the wheel of that car. Now that I can see through the window. And he has made it back onto the pavement. That's good news. We stay green. Uh, and Shea Adam can have a word with Jared Andretti. Uh, that nasty moment yesterday. Must have been a nasty moment for him as well, Shea, in the cockpit of that Aston Martin. Yeah, it was. And Jared, very quick thinking to get the car to a safety point where the fire marshals could get to it quickly. Do you guys have any indication of what caused the conflagration? It, we, we don't know exactly. Um, the guys changed the motor overnight just to kind of rule all that out. I think it's running okay, but uh, so we'll, we'll see it after the session and, and head to qualifying. But we don't know exactly what the case, the cause was. Well, hopefully something gets diagnosed quickly and the new engine should help. But coming back here of all the tracks on the schedule, with your last name, this track has to mean something a little bit more. Yeah, always. And anytime you come to the Speedway, it means something special. It's nice because I'm home. I don't even have to get on the highway to get here, so that's really the fun. And um, yeah, just coming back here, you seeing the pagoda when you come in, and then getting across the yard of bricks is always it's always special. And with my last name, it does mean a lot. But I think to anybody coming here, it's really it's really special. What's it like to sleep in your own bed on a race weekend? It's really odd. Honestly, it's really odd. It's, it's sometimes a little bit uncomfortable. You don't know, almost know, oh, yeah, get, get drive today. So um, it's just different. It's just a little adjustment, but it's nice. Is there extra support coming out for you this weekend? Yeah, I got a lot of family and friends coming out. Um, and um, my mom's here like she normally is, but a lot of family and friends. Even some coming out today to watch practice, so that's cool. Good luck this weekend. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Well, that is a wee bit of a worry, Jeremy. Um, change the engine, which I think is very smart. Um, that would have been all the ancillaries as well. Uh, so if there was an ECU problem or something like that, um, I think that's a really smart thing to do. They didn't say whether they damaged the engine, uh, but let's keep our fingers crossed because they're, frankly, it, but for bad luck, they've had no luck at all this, this year, that, uh, that Aston Martin team from Andretti. That's exactly right, John. And uh, the the, uh, the two races they've attempted to do or have have done have started. Uh, Jared's been taken out towards the end of his first stint by somebody completely not of his own making. So, yeah, really unfortunate. Of course, Gabby Chavez not even turned a racing yes. lap this season. Yes, unbelievable. Um, but um, yeah, it, it, it was a strange one, wasn't it? I mean, it was a, it was a pretty stout, you know, flame coming out of the out of the, that exhaust pipe. But there didn't seem to be a trail of oil behind it. No. That's for, for certain. Um, and uh, as you said, uh, Jared did a great job of get, getting that car out of the way. Really heads up driving by him to get it to a safe place right away and, and, and uh, evacuate the scene. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, that, I'm sure yeah, something would have ch showed up on the, on the data, I'm sure, which, uh, yeah, which led them to change the engine. And yeah, hopefully whatever it is, is has gone away and uh, will leave him in peace today. Yes. Yes, indeed. So overfueling on one bank of the, the engine, possibly. I mean, we could speculate till the cows come home there. Wayne Boyd for AWA, fastest in LMP3, but just had a little lock-up moment and uh, taking some life out of his Michelin dry weather tyres. Uh, but he's pointing that very, very handsome, sort of a chrome green, very metallic green, and a dark grey or black car for AWA. 
pointing it back in the right direction and just trying to get down the inside of the number 12. That's the GTD version of Vassar Sullivan's RCF GT3. The cars are exactly the same. It's the driver talent, of course, that is different. It's Frank Montcalvo behind that. Expect to see two cars uh, from Lexus RCF in the FIA World Endurance Championship next year. The new car, which is being spied or leaked testing at various places by Toyota and Lexus now potentially not due till 2025 a new coupe for GT3 so expect to see the venerable RCF in WEC next year a couple of European teams are being touted to run those cars maybe one each maybe two from the single manufacturer from a single team and uh, that that category in FIAWEC likely to be oversubscribed uh, for next year as the change is made from GTE to or GTLM as we would have called it here to GT3 or GTD as we would call it here very exciting times for sports car racing uh, Ed Jones at the Top of the class for high class. Remember, in this first 15 minutes, it's the non-pro uh, drivers who are out there. High class with a 118.003 for that number 20 car from Paul Lupchantan yeah. in second. Fully eight tenths back though, Jeremy. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, still early days, of course. And this is the, the, the first 15 minutes of this session this morning is for uh, for the non pro team so no gtps no gtd pros anybody else can go out there right now and i've got to give a a, a, a shout out and a thank you to ed jones because a couple of days ago he uh, spent some time at uh, at uh, racecraft one based here in indianapolis uh, sim uh, sim trainers motorsport training of, of all types and uh, he helped the two tvc scholarship drivers uh, do some preparation to get ready for the uh, Formula Ford Festival and the and the Walter Hayes Trophy coming up. So thanks, Ed, for spending some time there. Uh, the the two winners will be announced shortly. But uh, very kind of him to spend some time there. And thanks again to Kelly Jones for all his help in, in helping prepare prepare some of these youngsters to get onto the racing ladder. And uh, who are the two this year? Yeah, well, Jim? that's 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 uh, that to be confirmed. Actually, it'll, oh, okay. it'll be uh, hopefully, hopefully this week once uh, once we've got this weekend out of the way. It's a bit too busy. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> Understood. Uh, if you're not aware of Team USA, Jeremy's been uh, grafting away for very many years now, and some very big names have had a, an opportunity to go outside of the US in the early parts of their careers and experience different types of racing. Formula Ford has been exclusively Jeremy there was a bit of Toyota race series uh, uh, for a couple of seasons wasn't there yep yep there's been some F3 there's some Formula Palmer Audi there's various other things over the years but Formula Ford still is uh, a tremendous training ground for young drivers to uh, to prepare themselves for the sport and uh, a lot cheaper than everything else anything else out there these days no wings to replace when you go off not even <laughs> when 
um, and uh, it just yeah, the cars move around, and uh, you've got to actually shift gears and learn how to use three pedals. And um, you might not use those skills as you move, move along the racing ladder. That's that's true, but they are tremendous skills to have. And even at the top levels, if you get a chance to to, to go drive a, a what is now considered a vintage car, you probably can't if you haven't driven uh, proper racing cars beforehand. So uh, I think that's pretty cool. And it was great this year. Joseph Newgarden, of course, finally got his first uh, Indy 500 victory this year. He was a team assist scholarship driver back in 2008, 15 years ago. Hard to hard to um, imagine it was that long ago already. But yeah, it's the 34th year of the program, so it's been around for a long time. And a lot of us, uh, a lot of people in the racing industry in North America contribute to, to that program, including uh, Chip Ganassi Racing, who've been stalwart supporters of it. So uh, yeah, thanks to everybody to make, for making that happen. It's always good to see these young drivers moving on up the ladder afterwards. Just coming down to the other cars being allowed to come out, about a minute away from that. Really like this idea on both ends of this session, whereby the non-pro classes and drivers get to go out first. It cuts down uh, a little bit of the amount of traffic out there gets them to not have to look in their mirrors perhaps quite as much as they would and then at the last 15 minutes the GTD Pros and the GTPs Golf Tango and Papa uh, get out there and I'd expect to see at that point Jeremy um, if the temperature, particularly if the temperature comes up a little bit, which is, you know, we're talking about an hour and 15 minutes away, it's likely to, even with the light cloud cover that we've got at the moment, I'd expect to see a couple of qualifying simulations from the GTPs and the GTD pros later on. Yeah, and yeah, even this session goes along, yeah, there's, there's, I think yeah, possibly some of them tried it yesterday, but the track is certainly evolving. This is, um, the, the road course here isn't used that much, so uh, the track gets better as the weekend goes along. Uh, but uh, some of them might have tried to qualify sim yesterday during the, the, the lone practice session yesterday. And yeah, I'm sure pretty much everybody will try one at some stage during this morning's hour and a half session. As the uh, GTPs and GTD uh, disappear, GTD pros disappear out of the pit lane whilst they're getting up the speed. Let's hear from, well, a driver who I thought might have been in the car this morning, but clearly not. So that means Alexander Sims is behind the wheel of the Wayland uh, Engineering Cadillac. And that means people Durrani can speak to Aisha Adam. Yeah, and Pippo, it's not often that we can come to a track where an IMSA champion has never raced before. Indianapolis Motor Speedway, what's it like driving through these gates? Well, first of all, it's very special to be in such a track, I think. Um, Driving those hybrid cars, you know, what it means to uh, to the world in terms of technology. You've got to be driving in a racetrack like this. So uh, lots of history here, obviously with the 500. Um, IMSA has been here in the past, so it's great that we are back here for uh, this two-hour, 40-minute race. And uh, it's going to put a little spice in the championship, I think, because no one has been here. So it's going to be quite interesting to see how, how the race plays out this weekend. You lost a lot of time yesterday with the practice session. I understand a brake issue is what the team had reported, electing to fix it and get back out for this practice session. How much more important does that make the test that everyone did here before? Yeah, very, very important today, especially 
because we don't know how the race is going to play out, but we normally believe that uh, starting out front is uh, very important, very helpful as usual. So uh, having lost the first practice is not ideal, especially when you're fighting for the championship. But it is what it is. You know, you cannot look back. You just you can only look forward and try to do the best you can today and hope for a, for a good qualifying position. But if that doesn't happen, then we still have the race to figure something out. If you're in second, you've got a shot at the win. Do you take the points and go into the Petit Le Mans with a shot at the championship, or do you risk it for victory at Indy? It depends who's out front. <laughs> Good luck, people. Thank you. Thank you. Pete Tarani with Sheer Adam down in the pit lane. There is some, I mean, they'll gain They'll gain, uh, I would hope, uh, enough information. Just depends where they were in in their program yesterday, Jeremy, when that uh, when that problem struck. Yeah, indeed. And look, the, the, the Cadillacs were here for the test at the end of July, so they've got a lot of data there. And uh, despite the fact they're run by two completely different organisations, the two Cadillac teams here, uh, the Wheel and Engineering Action Express team of that number 31 and the uh, Chip Ganassi run Cadillac racing entries is number zero one. They work very, very closely together. I mean, they're, they're almost like one team. They share all the information between them, uh, much more so than we see uh, other teams on uh, traditionally that are vying, fighting against each other, uh, even with the same car. And so uh, yeah, they won't be too concerned about that, uh, assuming they, they know exactly what their problem was. They say it's a, it's a front brake issue, and they decided yesterday to, to take it back behind the wall change all those brakes they got it out again for a couple of laps at the end just to make sure everything was okay and it seems to be and hopefully they can now move on with that program but you know i don't think the, the loss of track time yesterday will be too detrimental to their program for the rest of the weekend so help or hinder their cause that this is a a track that most of the cars and drivers haven't been to because it was by no means every car that came to the test um I suppose people are finding out things all the time and given the amount of spins we saw yesterday um, it's it, uh, right through the field and right through the experience level of the drivers uh, as well it, it would seem that there's still quite a lot to be learned by everybody well in fact in, G in GTP all of the teams were were present at the test at least that had cars at that stage the uh, the, the uh, number 60 car excuse me not number 60 car the the Hertz Joda car wasn't the, the proton competition car excuse me wasn't uh, at the test number 59 car because that wasn't delivered yet uh, but uh, or it wasn't over here yet uh, but all of the other nine gtp cars were here for the test and got plenty of laps in okay so um yeah the, the uh, yeah i think uh, nobody i think is is behind the eight ball here in terms of gtp cars but for the other classes uh, you're right i mean there were only uh, three lmp2 cars that are here for the test number 11 number 04, number 18. Uh, there were two only LMP3 cars, the two AWA Duquesnes. They were the only cars from LMP3 that were here for the test. Uh, and then in GCD Pro, just the Vassar Sullivan Lexus, car number 14. The sister car was here in GTD. And then, then only five other uh, GCD cars. There was the Forte Racing Lamborghini, number 78, that was fastest of all GCD cars. And then the team caught off Mercedes, the AO Porsche, number 77, the Wright Motorsports Volt car, number 77, and Paul Miller Racing uh, in the uh, 
BMW was here as well, actually slowest, uh, uh, unlikely, though that sounds, having won five of the uh, five of the races already this season. So um, in the uh, the other classes, uh, a lot to be learned by most of these teams. But for GTPs, yeah, they've got some pretty good data already coming into this weekend. Amazingly, I don't think Paul Miller have been the fastest car um, in terms of lap time uh, at, at any of the events this year, but they've still... Well, they have been qualifying. Uh, in quality, but yeah. But, uh, qualified on the pole each of the last two races, and they're yeah. generally up towards the sharp end. Uh, but you're right in, in terms of the fact that you know, they don't tend to show their hand until they need to. Yeah. And a record-breaking five victories already with two races to go. They can uh, clinch uh, a number of championships. It is the final round of what is called the Sprint Championship. There's a full, if, if you're new to this, and particularly if you're on the grounds at IMS this weekend, there's a full championship, which is every one of the race that each of the individual classes go to, and they don't all go to the same races, but you've got a full championship. Then you've got a long distance championship, which is uh, generally speaking uh, for most of the classes that this year is four events. That's the Rolex 24 Daytona, the Mobile 1 12 hours of Sebring, Seal and 6 hours of the Glen, and the Motul Petit Le Mans, 10 hours, uh, which is our final race uh, later, or not early next month, isn't it? In uh, in uh, October, uh, that inc that increases to five races next year, because we'll have an endurance race here for WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. And waiting at Petit Le Mans for the rest of the IMSA calendars to be confirmed, including uh, Intermittent Mazda MX-5 and the Porsche Deluxe Carrera Cup. Uh, as well as how long that race will be here next year and when it happens. My money's on a Saturday night race. Uh, I'm going to say that now. Uh, and if I'm wrong, I'll, I'll quite happily put my hands up to it if, uh, if that is the case. Um, but um, that's the long-distance championship. And then there's the sprint championship, which is all of the other races, effectively. So you've got the opportunity. And there have been a couple of teams that have done this, actually. Uh, Till Bechtelsheimer did it, didn't he? Um, one year he did the long race, the short races. The next year he did the long races. So he actually did a full season. Just took two, two years to do it. Um, and it does give the teams, the drivers, um, the opportunity, Jeremy, uh, to cherry pick slightly. And there's budget involved in that as well. Uh, and it's, I think, that's worked rather well for IMSA down through the years. It certainly has, and uh, the, uh, the. Um Inception Racing McLaren has done that, had that same sort of strategy. Yesterday, last year won the uh, Michelin Endurance Cup, and this year doing the uh, doing all of the races. So, uh, it's a, yeah, it's a good opportunity to, to do a, to kind of a, a toe in the water, uh, particularly if you plan to do it long term. And that's exactly what they did. And here's the number seven car taking the escape route at uh, Turn One. We saw the number ten Acura do that a few minutes ago as well. Wonder whether that's a strategic decision to take the escape route and just to check out exactly where it goes. Felipe Nasser did lock up, yeah. Nasser yeah. did lock up in the number seven. Uh, yeah, well, of course, it, well, it, well, he, he yesterday, you might oh. remember, didn't take the escape route when he should have. So uh, he might he might have been instructed to make sure he goes through there to figure out where <laughs> he should be going. I don't know there was any, whether there was any penalty didn't say uh, after that yesterday. No, uh, 
I can. Interesting, uh, because uh, you know the, the drivers are instructed pretty clearly what to do if they go straight on there, and he didn't. I have to say, I didn't see it uh, mm. yesterday in the penalties. In fact, I haven't seen any penalties posted on the IMSA notice board um, in, in terms of uh, post yesterday's running. Uh, very good on the Alcamel IMSA site. Uh, amount of documentation, including all of the points possibilities for the different championship uh, for uh, the races here this weekend. Sprint Cup, the full uh, weekend. Truman Aiken uh, as well, which we uh, often don't speak about until the end of the season. That's for the best non-pro drivers. That uh, is hotly contested uh, for the Truman and the Aitken Awards. As uh, you might imagine, it normally gets you into pole position for a, an invitation to the following year's uh, Le Mans 24 hours. So, yeah, it's a very good point, that John. And uh, currently, Ben Keating has a 20 point advantage over George Kurtz. And uh, Stephen Thomas is only another uh, 50 points behind him in third. So really, really tight there between those three. Uh, and uh, yeah, Dwight Merriman is not too far back either. He's only 160 points out, out of the lead. And with 350 up for grabs in each round and two rounds still to go, everything to play and, for. And, of course, that's really important for Ben because we know he's not going to be in the FIA WEC. Even though he will be the champion, he's already the champion actually for uh, for the GTE app and uh, in the Corvette so you would expect him to get an invitation there but there will be no GTE am next year and he doesn't want to drive GT3 he wants to go back in an LMP2 car so there will be 15 LMP2s possibly for the final time uh, at Le Mans next year so it actually could could be quite important for him uh, for yeah, that. I, yeah, I, I think he's going to be a, a well sought after driver, isn't he, for an LP2 car next oh, year? Shall we, in, in the, shall we have uh, a Bob word Aiken. with him? Shall we have a word oh, with Ben? That's where, why not? Why and not? then we'll come back and talk about the Bob, Bob Aiken, Aiken Award. Yeah, absolutely. Shit, Adam is with the man uh, leading that championship. Ben Keating, you've kissed the bricks here at Indianapolis before. What's it like? Uh, it's a great question, Jay. Uh, uh, it's true, I have. Uh, this place is just special because of uh, the history, you know, uh, all the different uh, things that go on here. It's the uh, uh, world center of racing, as they call it. You know, uh, it's a it's a special place. So uh, it's fun to be racing here in sports cars with IMSA, uh, and uh, you know, I'm. I'm impressed with all the uh, improvements that uh, Roger has done here. Uh, you know, it, uh, everything uh, about the track and even the surrounding areas has uh, really taken a step up from when we were back here in 2014. You know, and uh, it's nice, you know, I talked to a lot of the European drivers who've never driven here. It's their first time here. Uh, and uh, they're, they're really liking it. 
It's big for you as well, being well-placed in the championship and in the Truman Point situation. So this weekend means something a little bit more racing. You've got a lot to play for. Uh, ab absolutely. There's a lot to race for. You know, the, the championship in LMB2 is still really tight for the top three spots. Uh, we're leading, uh, but uh, I realize that can disintegrate pretty quickly in the race here today. So, yes, there's a lot to race for. We really want to go into Petit Le Mans uh, uh, with the lead. Uh, and so, uh, 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 yeah, we're, we'll, see, we'll see how it works out. And of course, next year, coming back in this category with United Autosports, so there is a lot of excitement building for you for the future. Uh, I think so. You know, I, I'm, I really want to do uh, the 24 Hours of Le Mans uh, next year again. Uh, for my 10th year in a row, there's something special about doing it for a decade straight. Uh, uh, and uh, you know, I think I have the best chance of accomplishing that with United. And so it'll be fun to be uh, with them and uh, and just kind of see what it's like on the other side of the fence. You know, I love these guys here at PR1. They're like a family and we really enjoy each other. But uh, uh, yeah, uh, it'll be exciting to just see something new. Well, hey, thanks for the chat. Good luck this weekend getting back to kissing the bricks. We've just gone to red flag because the Tower Motorsports car with Louis Delatraz, that's a bit of a shock, but it's his first time here. He's off in the gravel between turns one and two. Uh, yep, and he is not coming back uh, from there. Actually, I think it's a bit further round, is it? Yeah. No, yeah, just be ended up at three. Uh, yeah, that, but that started a long way back as he was <laughs> trying to get hold. I've got it, I've got it, I've don't got it, as the old story goes. Left, yeah. right, it was uh, coming out, of it was coming out of turn one and two, dropped the yeah. right hand Michelin's over the edge of the curb there. I got the, the swapper on, the, the old tank slapper, as the, the motorcyclists call it, and it looked like he'd held onto it, and then it gripped up and dived off to the left. And he just has, uh, again, dropped the left-hand side rear Michelin into the gravel trap, and the gravel trap has done its job, and it uh, doesn't want to release the orange, uh, black and white number eight car, which had been sitting in second position in LMP2. Indeed, and uh, it was yeah, he. He'd, uh, how many laps? He, it was his previous lap that uh, he uh, went to, to the second position on the charts there. And as you say, unusual for the Swiss to to make a mistake. But uh, just just he only just into the gravel there at, at the oh. beginning of turn three, wasn't he? I yeah. mean, just uh, if he'd stopped it six feet beforehand, he'd probably got away with it, but not quite. But yeah, uh, uh, no harm, no foul. He, he just pulled that car out out again and uh, didn't didn't hit anything solid at all a very good work once again Some good lap times up front the it's the uh, the we've got two porsches now at the top of the charts in gtp matthew jaminet in the porsche penske motorsport 963 number six car has turned at 115.913 still three quarters of a second away from the fastest times of yesterday that was set by maddie campbell in the number seven car uh, second fastest this morning and uh, only half a tenth behind him. Harry Tinknell once again showing well in that Proton Competition Porsche number 59. That's a car that showed really, really well towards the end of the race at Road America last time out for the GTP cars. And as he was telling Shay Adam yesterday uh, when he spoke to her in the pit lane, they're, uh, they're learning rapidly about what makes that 
Porsche Proton Competition Porsche Tick. Uh, and of course, they're also doing the, the WC as well. So learn some more, had some more really good information uh, a week or two ago in Fuji, where they also ran well a bit, John, didn't they? So making full use of that. And uh, yesterday, that car was in the seventh position, uh, but only three quarters of a second off the fastest time. And today, in the early stages of this session, P2. Yeah. They, it's a different car, of course, that they're racing in the FAWEC. Uh, Porsche did take the opportunity to make a couple of uh, very small detail changes. You'd have to put the cars side by side to notice the difference, but just a little bit of rear aero uh, detail, and it is very small. Um, You're not allowed to change much, are you? Because no. these, these cars are homologated. But, so. but you homologate them separately for the WEC and for IMSA, so you don't actually have to have them identical and Porsche ha haven't got them identical. There's a bit of a change. Um, th there's inherently, there are slight differences in the way the cars are set up because the benchmarking and homologation are done in two separate wind tunnels um, here in the States at Windshear up in the Carolinas and it's at the Audi Sauber Formula One uh, wind tunnel in Hinville in uh, Switzerland that uh, that it is uh, done for the FIA WEC. Um, I'm, I'm actually, I'm not surprised that that uh, Porsche took the opportunity to do a few little changes. Uh, I suspect that the compressed development time for everybody else, Porsche had their car out first and it tested first in Europe, and. Uh, therefore, they had a wee bit more time to decide what they wanted to do for the the US spec cars. Um, everybody else didn't. Um, I suspect if there'd been a longer running time, you might have seen uh, things that were um, quite different on those cars. Um, but the the whole development, I mean, extraordinary. Porsche first ran um, a, a year ago, gone what? January, February, and even then it wasn't running in a completed form. Uh, some of the cars are just coming up to a year being on the track now uh, in the GTP category. It's, it's been an extraordinarily truncated and compressed development for these new GTP cars. And generally speaking, Jeremy, for the all of the complexities, and they are particularly complex. I was at Spa with BMW and Team WRT, um, not last week, but the week before, and had a good crawl over their uh, new WEC chassis. These are exceptionally complex cars in every way, shape and form, and new, and yet, generally speaking, they've run pretty well straight out of the box, and they've been fast. Yeah, I mean, the remarkable thing is, yeah, when, when we all arrived at Daytona for the Rolex 24 in January, uh, there was a lot of very concerned faces oh, yeah. all around the paddock uh, and at IMSA and at the teams and at everybody uh, about the reliability of the cars. Uh, and even through the, uh, the the practice sessions there, the, uh, the, the raw before the 24, the, the test of previous weekend, there were quite a few niggly problems uh, afflicting many of the GTP cars. But incredibly, during the race, um, the, the, the cars ran really well. There was a few, a few problems here and there. One of the BMWs had some early problems. But even they, they fixed that and they got going again and ran the majority of the race. And uh, it was a, uh, 
it was it was quite frankly a surprise, I think, to many of the teams that the cars ran so well there, yeah. and they've continued to do so through the season. I mean, I, I, you know, I hope we're not attempting to say yes. that, but uh, yeah, it's been um, remarkably impressive for reliability, given as you say how much, how many different systems are, and how different the systems are to what they've run in the past. So it's a there's a, a whole new breadth of experience and knowledge that the teams have had to learn, and, and many more specialists from those different fields that come in to help with the teams. But uh, they've done a fantastic job and the racing has been ph phenomenal. Uh, within that chat, uh, and, and by the way, it's, uh, it will be available to, to download. We've been playing it out on RS1. Um, but I had a, a long chat with Valentina Conti, who's the track engineering manager for BMW M Motorsport. And some of the issues uh, that all of the teams, and, and they're still collaborating, they are still collaborating, not uh, as much as they had to at the start, but there's still things that they need to work out as a group of manufacturers, um, particularly with the, uh, the, specif uh, the spec parts, the mandated parts. Um, but he said, you know, even a lot of the things that happened early on was down to them being very conservative. And that issue that they had at Daytona, they feel that they understand those systems now and that probably wouldn't have ended up the way it did at Daytona because they, they just didn't have the knowledge. Simple as. And it's, that's really quite unusual now, isn't it, Jeremy? That any manufacturer, particularly of the, of the global... Uh, of the global reputation of all of the GTP manufacturers that, you know, even if it's a GT3 car, they're testing in private for two years. They disappear. We don't see them. And then the car comes out and it's absolutely sorted. That wasn't the case with GTP. And, it, and I, it's been very brave in some respects for them to do that on that truncated timescale. Um, and with the, the global issues of part supply, etc., that we we went through as well at, at the same time. I, I think it's been extraordinary. I really do. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. And, uh, you know, I mean, th there, was a, there was a lot of collaboration on, on the systems that they, that, they, that they are all using, as you say. Um, of course, they, they got their, their own development of their own cars uh, separate to that and very much keeping secrets there. Oh, yeah. But uh, with all the systems that have to be run uh, amongst all of the uh, teams and manufacturers, then, yeah, they, they did seem to work well together. And, uh, you know, everybody was... Uh, was I think as open as they're, as they're likely to be and probably more open than that many of us expected I agree with you and it's worked out well it's seen, it has you know, the, uh, it's, it's the fruits of that collaboration has been seeing as the season has progressed uh, and there's lots of potential performance potential still to be unlocked from these cars uh, and again you know talking um, to a variety of people around it, it's soft there's, there's a lot of software um, control systems in these cars and that isn't mandated and bet even between uh, teams who have the same car there's nothing to stop them tinkering with the control systems and they will once they get confident with that so we've got three Porsche teams uh, here this weekend um, potentially more Porsche customers coming next year as well uh, th there's nothing to say that the works Porsche Penske motorsport team, the um, uh, the uh, Proton WeatherTech team, and the JDC could all be running 
slightly different control systems for the hybrid, for the brake by wire, for how they interact together, how they use the power. This is not push to push with these hybrids. It is an, an absolute amount of power that you are allowed, a, a maximum amount of power that you're allowed at any one time, and you can't break through that. And if you do, then you will be penalised. And that is monitored in real time by IMSA and by the FIAWEC when the cars are racing over there. And it's all about what comes out at the end. So it's torque sensors on the drive shafts. So there's, there's no getting around that. It's what's going down onto the road. Now, that could be all internal combustion engine for your maximum power. Or it could be a mix of internal combustion engine and electric motor from the hybrid, that, which works on the rear axle as well on these GTP cars. Uh, and and it, it can't all be um, hybrid, except for the, the, the launch, because the hybrid isn't powerful enough to, to, go, to the, go to the top, uh, uh, the top of the power outputs. But it can, it can move within that range and within the hybrid range. And that, to me, is bafflingly clever that the systems are doing that and the drivers are able, Jeremy, to influence that from the settings, from the tools that they have, both on harvesting, which helps their braking and, and potentially rear locking, and then deploying that, which also can help how the, the power comes in, particularly uh, in a different scenario between wet and dry. That's bafflingly clever to me. Indeed so, and uh, it's, I don't think it's quite true that you need a PhD to drive one of these things, <laughs> but you certainly do to, to work on them, I would suggest. Um, slight exaggeration, perhaps, but uh, there are some very, very, very clever people here, and uh, from the driving perspective, to really get the most out of these cars, you know, they, they've got to have done their homework. Uh, and as you say, there's a lot of complexity here, a lot of knowledge that had, had to be gained when they started testing these cars, and yeah. uh, the... Uh, all the drivers are telling you, these are a heap of fun to drive, oh, yeah. and they are super fast as well at the end of the straights. At the end of the straights, these cars are a good bit heavier, 200 kilograms heavier than the uh, GPI cars they replaced. Uh, and through the corners, they are not uh, not even close to as fast as the uh, as the older generation cars were. But on the straights, uh, they are really quick. Yes, uh, and we saw speeds you know, approaching 200 miles an hour uh, at Daytona, first time in in a long, long time. Uh, and uh, you know they, uh, the drivers love them, and uh, they've uh, they've certainly created some great competition as this season has progressed. And by the way, uh, we were asking a little while ago, weren't we, how the number 31 car was uh, faring after the problems yesterday with the braking system? Well, for a, for a few mo few brief moments, Alexander Sims went fastest in number 31 car just a, a minute or two ago. He's just been eclipsed by uh, Felipe Nasser in the number seven. Porsche Penske Motorsport, Porsche 963, by 0.043 of a second. So the, the fastest time now this morning is a 115.477 for NASA. Uh, spin down at turn one is the Corvette, facing the wrong direction, just off the apex, but just far enough off that people, I think, will be able uh, to see that GTD uh, Pro car. And it is now into first gear and pulling away. And that was uh, Tonio Garcia, although we did have somebody missing the turn one as well. So a Porsche on top in GTP, but a GTD Porsche, Sheer Adam, not having quite as much luck 
at the moment. What's going on down at the number 91, Kelly Mosca? Well, I look at the uh, tower and I see the 91 is currently the second quickest GTD car out there. Kai Von Berlo just bringing it back in. He is an absolute madman. Indianapolis Motor Speedway is not the track that is his favorite because in the past years, it's where his uh, Porsche Carrera Cup championship has ultimately been lost. He is looking for more speed and they have just taken wing out of that car. So keep an eye because the 91 Porsche might just be about to go to the top of the charts. Another car we need to watch for when they do get out is MLT Motorsports, their number 54 LMP3 machine. Jason Rabe was standing up on the wall, helmeted, ready to get in the car. He said they're having a driveline issue and the car is still in the pit lane. I talked to him a good 10 minutes ago and he was ready to go. He said it should only be one more minute. Looks like it's a little bit bigger of a problem for the 54 than just one minute to fix. Antonio Garcia was assisted into that spin by Patrick Pele in the number nine uh, driveway Motul Faf Porsche. Uh, a little bit of damage on the left, actually a bit more than a little bit of damage on the left-hand side front yeah. of Pele's car. He's actually put a hole in there now that does, he's shedding a bit of carbon fibre as, as well there. And I think he's displaced one of the... Uh, cooling radiators uh, at the front of that car. Uh, the GT3s still have uh, various bits and pieces of cooling um, ducting as well around there. The RSRs, the GT, uh, uh, GTE, GTLM cars, uh, all of that was moved into uh, less vulnerable places. It was the very lightest of touches, but both oh. of them on the very ragged edge of adhesion there. I think that would have got but a penalty during the race, Jeremy. Well, I mean, is this free practice too, or is this the race? Yeah. I mean, that was that was bizarre, to be honest. I mean, Antonio Garcia was driving the Corvette, and he defended the position. Yes, he did. As if it was the last lap of the race. Yes, that's true. One. Pa Patrick Pile was coming up behind him in the Porsche. Clearly didn't want to let it pass. Uh, and Patrick Pile clearly thought, OK, well, fine, in that case. Let, let's 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 uh, practice for the race, and I'll give you a punt and see what happens. That was extraordinary. Pele really in bizarre. The Pele in the pit uh, lane. By the way, and the number the number 54 MLT Motorsports uh, Niger that Shea was just talking about. The good news uh, is that uh, Dakota Dickinson has set the fastest time in LMP3 in the early part of the session before that problem manifested itself. But again, that was a, just a bizarre incident. Uh, during practice between that Corvette and the Porsche, but I think, yeah, w w there, there are going to be incidents at turn one during this race tomorrow. Make no mistake. Shea Adam has an update from the pit lane as we have another car running straight on at turn one, and this time it's the zero one. Ranger van der Zander, the Cadillac Racing, but he's just about to keep it on the track. Uh, where are you, Shea? And I, I did hear through the noise engine issue. Uh, so which car is that we're talking about? That was MLT. It looks like it is an engine issue for that car. They are, right. might have to go back behind the wall and lose a lot more of this session, which is not good because they still have about 45 minutes to play with. But I am rapidly approaching the PAF Porsche. Second time in two weekends where they have front end damage to this car. And they do have a brand new carbon, pure carbon. It's black, it's shiny, it's not stickered up. It's quite beautiful. A bumper cover that is going on the front of this Porsche, so it should not take too long for them to get it turned around and sent back out, which is good news because the Penske Porsche organization 
is one pit box ahead. And well, if there's one person you don't want to upset when you are at their home track, it would be Mr. Penske. And Matt Campbell is up on the wall, ready to take over for the number seven. Nick Tandy, I saw a few minutes ago, ready to get into the number six. So both of those cars coming in to make driver changes as we have an hour remaining for the pro category cars. Missing the chicane on the far side of the circuit, the number 60, Colin Brown. Congratulations to Colin and his wife. Welcome to new addition to the family. New son. Son and mother doing very well, we hear, which is the all we need to know. And uh, managed to come into the world before Colin had to set off to come and race here. Where does Colin Brown go next year? Jeremy Shaw, uh, if as if the rumours are correct, MSR will not be back in IMSA to Acuras for Wayne Taylor Racing, including, we heard uh, from Sportscar 365 yesterday, I think it was, an active Formula One driver coming to Daytona next year. So what about Colin Brown? Where does he go? Yeah, very good question. I hope he lands up somewhere because he is pretty darn good, is Colin Brown. Is he ever? And um, it's a very strange decision. There's some odd things have been happening at Acura, in my opinion, over the last uh, year or so. Uh, and um, but you know they 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 don't like uh, whatever. Anyhow, it, 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 Wade Taylor Racing will run two cars, and we, we we believe it's increasingly unlikely that a third car will be run by another team, which I think is a shame. Um, but uh, that's the way it is. Uh, a couple of changes at the top, by the way. Philip Eng went fastest uh, briefly again in the uh, number 24 BMW MRL uh, Team RLL uh, BMW M Hybrid. He turned a 115.459. Uh, that was about five minutes ago. And then he was immediately eclipsed by Nick Tandy in the number six Porsche. That's back to the top now then at a 115.32. Three, so about a tenth and a half of a second away from the fastest time from yesterday, it's set by Maddie Campbell. But I would expect a, a good bit more time to be found towards the latter stages of this session, particularly when all the GTP cars are out there on their own in the final 15 minutes. Colin Brown, I think, has just run over that piece of carbon fibre that fell off the FAF car. Oh, and there's been an incident down at turn one. Two cars involved, Dwight Murrayman, one of them, and the second car uh, well there's a Lamborghini as well but that's not the same part it was high class racing I think yes it was high class racing the number 20 uh, the red and white car and that car driven by Dennis Anderson and that was in the braking area for turn one and again a misjudgment by the car behind Dennis Anderson nailing the back of Dwight Merriman and causing some significant damage to the front of that normally pristine red white and black number 20 the Origa and a bit of damage as well to the back of the number 18 to be fair the era motorsport yeah, LMP2 car that was a stout hit wasn't it I mean he was probably doing 15 or 20 miles an hour more by the time they, they made contact there. Uh, the uh, Dennis Anderson, clearly a misjudgment on his part. And uh, there's all sorts of bits of carbon fibre. That might bring out a red flag, actually, Joe. Yeah, yeah. There was a separate incident as well 
for the Lamborghini number 78, Misha Goikberg in the Forte Racing Huracan. But that was down at turn 12, and he's managed to get that car back onto the circuit. That was basically just a lock-up. And now we have got a red flag because the headlamp unit from the Oricon number 20 of Dennis Anderson and High Class Racing has made its bid for freedom and the bodywork is pushing back onto the right front Michelin tyre and wheel and there'll be a bit of clean there'll be a bit of clean up the, the clock will not stop so this will be lost time uh, whilst our intrepid EMR safety team plus the track services uh, and all of our brilliant volunteer corner marshals and flag marshals flag work uh, flag corner workers uh, get out there and do a bit of sweeping up um, those bits of carbon fiber very very sharp indeed and this is not the place you want to have an unexpected deflation of a tire as you're coming down into turn one or indeed coming up onto the banking Accelerating through to fa fast uh, to your faster speed. Yeah, uh, we've and got about 52 minutes to go, so uh, I, this uh, is going to take a bit of time out of the uh, non-pro cars. Uh, 15 minutes at the end, remember, for the pro cars. Just when I would have thought Jeremy people might have been thinking about doing uh, a qualifying, a mock qualifying run. Yeah, they've got uh, some plenty of time left, haven't they? They've still got what, uh, more than half an hour to to accomplish that. And you know, the, the LMP2 cars, I, I think they're probably top speed is around about 180 miles an hour heading into Turn 1. The GTP wow. cars are doing uh, just around about 200 as they head into Turn 1. So there's a, a pretty high speed differential, and that's a, that's a tight corner as Turn 1. I mean, yeah. you've got to slow those cars right down to get around there. This is prob probably trying to think now could be the, the hardest braking point uh, of the entire season actually for GTP cars yeah that's a good point uh, it's, it's a really tight corner from what what is one of the fastest straights uh, that, that we see uh, Road America they're also doing uh, around about 200 miles an hour into those corners but I think turn one is tighter than turn five at Road America mm. um, so uh, yeah it's a, it's a it's a big braking point down there and, and a big speed differential between the cars so we're going to see incidents there we've seen several already uh, this morning and uh, a couple yesterday but not nearly as many as we've seen this morning Shea Adam is right next to the high class racing red white and black car she's already taken a look at the era car how good bad or indifferent to both of them look Shea Bodywork for both. Uh, Era is actually fine. It looks quite good when they pulled the tail section off. All of the component parts were where they should be, pointing in the right direction. So they've just put a new tail on that and are going to send White Merriman back out for Dennis Anderson. The damage was cosmetic. It was uh, quite severe cosmetic to the nose, but they have put a new headlamp cluster on, a new nose, and he too will be going back out when we see the green flag. And yes, as you were talking about mock quality runs, John, I did see sticker tires for Chandler Hull in the number 97 Turner Motorsport BMW, and Sheena Monk has just gotten into the number 66 gradient racing Acura. So I think we are about to see some mock quality runs across the board. There's stickers up on the wall for her, but I think they're going to give Sheena a couple of laps to try and get a feel for the track first before they give her the brand new Michelin rubber. 
Was that Catherine that just got out of the 66 car, Shea, was it? I think it was, it was. brought it in. Would you like me to walk yeah, over okay. and have a chat with her? Yeah, that would be great. See if you can uh, grab Catherine Leg. Uh, that would be great. We are just coming down to 48 minutes to go. There's a small but excited group of cars and drivers waiting uh, pit out. Uh, whilst the clear-up continues, here is Catherine Legg for the number 66 Gradient Racing. The JG Wentworth Green and White NSX Evo. Cat 3 Indy 500 starts for you, but you've never driven it the wrong way. What's it like crossing the yard of bricks when you're going contra race direction for what you're used to? Bizarre. <laughs> you know, I uh, I drove in here and uh, I saw everybody lined up in pit lane and I'm thinking, this just doesn't look right. But um, you get used to it pretty quick. How is the Acura around this place? Um, as always, our JG Wentworth Acura is amazingly awesome, but it also has an amazingly awesome amount of understeer in it at the moment, <laughs> which we are trying to battle. Um, so I don't think we're that fast. You know, I thought maybe here with the two long straights we would be in with a shot, but they're still pulling away from me down the straightaway, and I'm still battling understeer, so it's frustrating, honestly. But it's got to keep your spirits up, knowing that the next race we're going to is Petit Le Mans, which this car and this team won a year ago. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's so dependent on the conditions as well, you know. Uh, this afternoon for qualifying, it's going to be a totally different car. And then again in the race, depending on, on what the conditions are. So it was really chilly this morning to get any temperature into the tires was uh, no easy feat. So it, it's all going to change. And uh, I have every, every ounce of um, confidence in my team that they will figure it out and give me an awesome race car. The track was really dirty yesterday. It almost looked as if dust was being sucked out of it by the GTP cars. I know that's not what was actually happening, but it's just the illusion. Was it cleaner today? Um, a little. It's just, it's a funny surface, you know. It's like really smooth and shiny. And so we're really struggling to, to find grip here. It's one of those things where the Acura is awesome at tracks like Sebring and Long Beach with bumps and, and then you come to a billiard smooth track and we're, we're sliding around a little bit on top of the surface and we need to find some some load in the tire. Sheena's just got out. The green flag is back out. I'll let you get on heads and coach her around. Good luck this weekend. Thanks, babe. Catherine Legg with uh, Shea Adam. Shea, one thing that Jeremy and I were talking about yesterday, and I forgot to ask you to find this out, and I'm not sure who you'd speak to about this, but we're not using the full length of the pit lane. We're only using just over about a half of it um, is there any particular reason for that because obviously we've got four different championships here um, and I, I just wonder why we had to spread ourselves out a little bit further down the pit lane so maybe there's a technical reason for that maybe it just looks neater I'm not entirely certain uh, failure to adhere to the red flag uh, that will be a five-minute stop and hold for Sean Creech Motorsport in their Ligier. Uh, and a drive-through penalty for the number 20 high-class racing incident responsibility uh, with the number 18 AWA incident at Turn 1. I think we could have probably called that one. <laughs> I never want to be involved in having to make decisions in race control, but I, I think even even I, who can argue against myself and sometimes do, as we've listened to us enough, um, I think even I could probably have 
have worked that one out. One of the least difficult decisions that will have to be made this weekend. Uh, we've got exactly an hour gone, so 45 minutes remaining for the GTPs and the GTD pros. Uh, and that means half an hour left for everyone else, P2, P3, and the GT3 cars, the GTD standard class, if you will. Uh, we did have a change in the top time, actually. A couple of improvements uh, just before that uh, red flag with Augusto Farfus in the number 24 BMW M Team RLL Hybrid V8, clocking in at a 1.15.459, and then Nick Tandy went quicker again for the Porsche 963 and Porsche Penske Motorsport the number six car with a 1.15.323. So that means the top eight cars are within six tenths of a second, uh, as it stands. Shit Adam has already found out the answer to what was in fact Jeremy's pit lane question from yesterday that I just forgot to put to you. Come on and share, what is the answer? Whenever we need an answer about the pit lane, we turn to the lead pit official, Johnny Knotts. The pit boxes are a standard 23.5 feet. That's basically what we've been working with all year. Sometimes it's been 23 for the majority. Just because we have more space, does not mean that we want teams to get used to taking advantage of it, particularly when our next race will not afford the exact same luxury. So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. We've been working out of 23-foot boxes. We gave them an extra half foot. That's pretty generous. And the reason that we are where we are is based around the start line. So it's all to do for timing. And yes, there is a long run further down, but we don't necessarily need to use all of it. And I presume, Shea, that a lot of the teams from the support classes, they're sharing facilities uh, and pit box facilities with, uh, with the WeatherTech teams, and they might not actually have all of their own kits. So it's not as if we could say, why don't the Pilot Challenge teams have their own, effectively have their own bit of the pit lane, as the WeatherTech teams do when we're at Long Beach, along from the IndyCars. Correct. Uh, the rule in the rule book actually is if you share your pit box as a WeatherTech team with someone from a support series, you do not have to dismantle your box in between the sessions. IMSA does not enforce that. They don't make teams take all their stuff back, but they do make them move their fuel rigs away from the wall in certain situations if they are not sharing their boxes. So IMSA tries to encourage that the support teams get, well, support from the bigger teams and therefore can save a few dollars and cents over the course of the year, not having to buy their own radios or their own TVs, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, makes sense. Thank you, Shea. Shea, Adam down in the pit lane. 42 minutes to go. Uh, here's your class leaders in GTP, as we mentioned, Porsche Penske Motorsport with the 963, finding new speed in the last few weeks in both of the major championships in which it competes. 115.323 in LMP2. TDS a first and second, Stephen Thomas and Rodrigo Sales out in the 11 and 35 respectively. It is the 11 that has the 116.7, which is the best time in that category. MLT Motorsports, notwithstanding their query engine issues in the leash year, GSP 320, 120.843. That's about a tenth better than the next best, which is the number 13, AWA, then Junior 3 Racing's number 30, and then the second of the AWA cars, Anthony Mansella in the 17, uh, and then an, another Junior 3 car, actually, 
Guillermo de Oliveira in the 29. In fact, as I say that, Josh Burden's just improved in LMP3. He goes up the fifth, and Matt Bell for AWA goes to the top of the times. In GTD, we've got a spinner out on the circle. I'll get to that in a moment. Uh, in GTD, it's Misha Goigsberg's Lamborghini, which is quickest, the number 78 uh, in GTD. And in GTD Pro, just uh, about a half a second further back, it is Daniel Uncadea for WeatherTech Racing in their 79 Mercedes. And that was yeah. the number 20 car of Dennis Anderson, the high-class racing machine, just having a wee spin at... Is that coming through turn seven? Eight and nine. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, in between. Just coming out of nine there. Yeah. And uh, John, that, 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 uh, that by uh, the number 78 Lamborghini, the Porto racing car by US Race Tronic Centre, it's Loris Spinelli who set that time uh, pretty early in this session. That's a heck of a lap time. Uh, 123.026. I think you said uh, there is six tenths ahead of uh, Danny Yucadela in the number 79 car, it's actually Jules Gunion that set that time in number 79, WeatherTech Mercedes, which has had a, uh, a, a performance break this weekend. They've got uh, 30, 30 kilos less than previously. But that laptop by, uh, by Loris Spinelli was a stunner. Uh, it, it was the, the fastest time yesterday was set by Jack Hawksworth right at the end of the session at 123.6, uh, and Gurk goes to 123.0. The fastest time in the test was also uh, by that number 78 car at a 124.1 so more than a second found since the test by wow. the uh, by that team and the uh, the mlt motorsports ligier that as you say just been eclipsed by matt bell by 0 0.003 of a second um is back out on the racetrack jason rabe has turned a few laps he's turned i think for he turned a couple laps before that red flag He's now done four or five laps since it as well. So that's good to see that MLT Cup out on track having had the problems earlier on. Just a follow-up on something that Shea was talking to Roman DeAngelis about last night at Heart of Racing. Uh, talking about the uh, rumours uh, of a potential development programme for the Aston Martin Valkyrie undertaken by... Part of racing, Nick Tandy by the way, straight on at turn one, rejoins in the approved manner and actually rather speedily as well. Didn't lose a lot of uh, a lot wow. of real estate there. That was really impressive by the man from Bedfordshire. Yeah, well, I told you that yesterday. If you if you if you time it right, going through the escape route there, you you, you can not lose much time. Not, I think he did that on purpose. I I, I I reckon he did that on purpose to see how quickly he could get through there. Uh, because he clearly wasn't breaking, he didn't lock up or anything. He just went. That that was definitely on purpose, uh, and uh, you know he's he's nailed it. Uh, and uh, as you say, didn't lose much track tra time at all. That's something that I I commented on yesterday. Yeah. Nick Tandy proved my point right there. Look, what's his what was his split time? <laughs> uh, it might it might have lost a second or so. Yeah. Not, not much, much more than that. Yeah. Just. Oh, go by the way, there's a couple of cars down at the bottom of the time timing charts that uh, have done very very few laps. I think the Lone Star Racing number 15 Mercedes, brand new car, uh, has uh, has just gone, perhaps gone, gone back out on track again. So it completed nine laps in the session. It was seven just a few minutes ago. So that car is back out on track. The other car that's had a problem, 
and is still in the pits is a performance techno sports car number 38. Uh, that car back again this weekend. Alexander Kariba making his uh, WeatherTech Sports Car Championship debut alongside Connor Bloom will be his co-driver. They obviously had some problems as well. It only could be the six laps in this session and the last of them was a long, long time ago. Uh, a couple of the GTD cars getting stickers. Alan Mechney in his uh, Porsche. Madison Snow in the number one BMW. Uh, just that I've noticed in the last couple of moments. Yeah, just a pit. Pit uh, Russell Ward as well for Wimwood Racing in the AMG. Uh, just, uh, just to pay off that story then that uh, we were talking to uh, to Roman De Angelis about last night. Good save. Uh, very good save by the uh, NSX. Carl Marcelli. Just straight the right-hand wheels onto the grass and the break of the turn seven there, John, did Carl uh, yeah. Marcelli. And he just about got it back again. Great save. So excuse me for interrupting. No, no, uh, people are trying hard here, including Jimmy Bruni, who's just had a little loop as well in the WeatherTech Proton GTP. Um, yeah, just very quickly, um, Ian James was uh, caught up with by Sports Car 365, uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and he's played down the uh, hypercar programme, at least in terms of it being quote-unquote imminent. Uh, and the quote that uh, uh, John De Geese has got from him is that uh, they envision staying uh, in the GT ranks for the next couple of years. And I, I, I'm not surprised by that, because as we were saying last night, even if they did want to do that, there's a heck of a lot of work to do to get that car to comply with the current hypercar or LMDH rules, actually it would be a it'd be a version of the hypercar rules uh, that they would be into. There's a completely separate set of regulations uh, and technical regulations for cars that are based on um, nominally road-going cars. So they do get some brakes, uh, particularly on, on materials that they can use in engine and various other things. Um, but the biggest problem there is that the engine that we've got in that car at the moment produces nearly a thousand horsepower and that's probably getting on for twice as much as you're allowed uh, in the in the category for the racing cars. Now it's not unheard of to have to dial cars back. Um, I think back to when RML, Ray Mallet Limited, were designing, building and developing and then subsequently racing the Selene S7R. Um, the road car was more... Um, was more powerful um, and actually had a sequential box which you weren't allowed in the racing cars in GT1 as it was those days so it had to be backward engineered slightly um, so it, it's possible and particularly within the electronics nowadays to turn down Handoff says using you know very non-technical language turn down the engines but that does have effect on other systems so that's not going to be the work of the moment I, I noticed that um, if you want to read the article, Ian doesn't say that it's not happening. He just said it's not imminent. And I think that's very wise. We'd love to see that car in GTP or in LMH. Um, but it's a little ways away. Grignol has a, a road-going car, which he absolutely loves. And everyone I've talked to who has had anything to do with them, including Darren Turner, who did a lot of the development work, um, tells me they are an awesome piece of kit, but that one possibly on the back burner for a wee while. 
Um, think back with the McLaren F1 GTR as well. Uh, that one had to be dialed back uh, a little bit in its time. Uh, new time well, at the Most of these GT3 cars are the same. Yeah, and absolutely. Most of the road cars are much faster on the straights, aren't they? They yeah. have more horsepower. Yeah. Uh, the uh, new fastest the, time at the top. Indeed, so yeah, Maddie Campbell just uh, trimmed a little bit of time off uh, in the number seven car to go to the top. That was the uh, same car that was fastest yesterday. So it's Porsche one two then at the moment, separated by less than a tenth of a second. Indeed, the entire. 10 car field of GTP is covered by less than three quarters of one second. That's pretty tight, isn't it? Uh, and uh, it's, uh, it's yeah, this is boding really, really well for tomorrow. What's the track length that we're racing on here, Jeremy, actually? It's, it's uh, 2.439. OK, 2.439. Thank you. Um, so the average speed... Uh, the fastest time, not quite down to the fastest time yesterday, 15.231 now, 15.184 yesterday by Manny Campbell. That's an average speed of 116.785 miles per hour. For the whole lap, that's, considering how yeah. much you have to break down for turn one, that is actually pretty yeah. stout. Anything over Yeah, and 13.14 and yeah. 7 is pretty, you know, all fairly slow corners. Anything over 100 miles an hour is a quick lap, uh, a quick average lap. I mean, OK, we're not talking over driving here, I, I accept that. So 1.15.231 then is the new best time. Porsches 1 and 2. If you weren't with us yesterday, been a big, big push from Porsche Penske Motorsport along with their uh, private teams, uh, the customer teams. A lot of testing been going on in Europe at various places to try and get rid of a uh, a handling and setup instability that, that they feel have been plaguing the pace of that car. They went one way, they slammed the car to the ground, and that didn't seem to work. Uh, and that cost them a, a win, didn't it? At Celine, at the sale in six hours of the Glen, meantime, down at turn one. Uh, another spin, this time for Stephen Thomas in the other TDS racing car, uh, the Fear the Taff car. He is the fastest in his category, LMP2 at the moment. Yeah, so the Porsches went down low, that didn't work. So they cranked them up again. And That's bizarre. Uh, yeah, very bizarre. Very bizarre indeed. Actually, that wasn't turn one, that was turn 12. My apologies. Um, uh, he, that was a moment or two ago. Um, yeah, they, they cranked them down, that didn't happen. So in racing car terms, they, they basically jacked them up way more than they would have done and thought to do normally try and get some balance in the car and then work backwards from there and began to adjust the suspension and bring the car back down into a more normal operating window and that seems to have done the trick they were very quick um, in the run-up to Fuji and the FIA World Endurance Championship six hours last weekend um, although the one of the cars had a power steering pump, uh, a power steering issue I see that kept it out of the race for a while. Um, but the other car was in with a chance of uh, a victory for quite a long time and finished on the podium uh, for them. And that was a major step forward uh, in pace for those guys. And they've also stopped burning out their tyres. That was the other thing that they were really struggling with rear tyre wear. And that has been addressed by this uh, programme of testing. Um, we were talking earlier on about all the clever ones and zeros and programming bits and pieces, but a bit of um, bump, rebound, caster camber and ride height 
past. You can't just forget about that. That's going to go on in, uh, in concert. Shit out of Dan and Pitlin. Haven't heard from her for a wee while. Let's put that right now. I found uh, Aaron Tielitz. And Aaron, you've got a lot of laps around this road course, but with no roof over your head. So how different is it in a sports car? Yeah, uh, it's, it's still it's still a fun course. Um, maybe not as much fun as it was in an open wheel car with a lot of downforce. Uh, but the one thing that I'll tell you about the Indianapolis Motor Speedway is everybody talks about how big it is. But let me tell you, it feels small this weekend. There is so many cars out there. It feels like you're getting past or passing multiple cars every lap. The race is going to be absolute madness. Um, so it's going to be all about just keeping it clean, avoiding the mayhem. Uh, and trying to get clean laps in and qualifying. So we've got Frankie out there right now, practicing, getting ready for, for his qualifying run later this afternoon. Our RCF GT, Lexus RCF GT3 car is feeling really good. So uh, we'll see what we got. With this amount of chaos out there, is this the perfect warm up for Petit Le Mans? Yeah, it definitely is. It feels it feels like it's just as much chaos as it is at Petit Le Mans. I, I mean, I think the Petit Le Mans is a bit shorter track than this, but man, it feels like there's cars everywhere out there right now. Good luck this weekend. Yeah, thank you. A, a lot of cars uh, and a lot of wide cars as well out there, Jeremy. That's a fair point that Aaron's making there. Yeah, it's, uh, it, I love his enthusiasm. Just great character, Aaron Tielitz, and uh, really good perspective on, on life in general. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it is busy. Uh, we've seen you know, we've seen a lot of incidents during this race. There's another quick spin there for, I think that's Jason Rabe in the MLT Motorsports at Ligier. It's, uh, well, I think, he, I think he maybe jumped on the brakes to avoid hitting the back of another car down there, perhaps. But it was uh, able to continue without any damage and not, without any contact with anything solid. That's always good. Always good. Heart in uh, another uh, minor improvement, by the way, by Maddie Cabot went a little bit quicker uh, a few moments ago before oh, yeah. bringing number seven car into the pit lane. So 115.207 is now the, uh, the fastest time of all. And that, that takes the the spread from first to last to 0.764 of a second, i.e. still not very much in those 10 GTP cars. It's under the Cadillac V8 engine in the background. It's the 0-1 of Sebastian Balday heading down towards the end of the lap, down to 12 and 13, turns in. Oh, and the BMW off. And that is the 24 car at turn one. That means it's Augusta Farfus. Third position for that car at the moment. He's made the correct decision through the right path at turn one, rejoining uh, just on the outside of turn three. You do filter into a pretty good place there. It's not as if you're on the racing line, in fact, quite the reverse. You'd have to keep your wits about you, look over your right-hand shoulder as you rejoin there. But generally speaking, people are going away from you, diving to the right-hand side, to the apex of Turn 3, as you rejoin there. Uh, and I, I think that's actually... A, it's not always the case that that can happen with the way racetracks are, are laid out, but it works really well here, and that's been... a a smart addition to stop people trying to do a flick turn and then come back directly into the face of the traffic braking, as Jeremy said, from 200 miles an hour in the case of the GTPs. Gives you an opportunity to run through and rejoin so you're out of the line of fire as quickly as possible. 
as I say, works really well here. Nicely thought out, whoever found that way through. And hello to Doug Bowles and the rest of his hard-working staff at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Cracking job done. Place looked an absolute picture from the very first moment that the IMSA team's uh, fans turned up. If you're on site, by the way, do, don't forget to take a look at the IMS Museum. Whether you've done it before or you've not done it before, uh, it is always worth a trip. Uh, and give yourself some time there. It's not 20 minutes. I'm going to tell you that now. Uh, take some time. Uh, if you're around maybe on Monday and you're not going home, what I did the last time, the only time that I've been here, uh, went in relatively early on Monday morning and, and then disappeared midway through the afternoon to, to go and get a late lunch before driving back up to Chicago for the flights to back to the UK. And uh, we'll be playing on IMSA Radio over the weekend. We were very graciously, and again, thanks to Dick Pauls, the man at the head of IMS, uh, allowed to, to make a programme uh, in the IMS Museum. We'll play that across the weekends just to whet your appetite. You can download it, of course, from uh, either RadioLamont.com or IMSAradio.com as well if you want to listen to it on your way back from the track. Not that you should need your minds uh, making up or your arms twisted. Just do it. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. No, anybody with any interest in the history of the sport, there's so much to see there. Uh, we had a good uh, glimpse uh, a couple of laps ago of the uh, Lone Star Racing number 15 Mercedes that uh, clearly had some problems earlier on in the session, but they have obviously been fixed because Scott Andrews is making some good progress up to the uh, time he chats up to 12th position now in GTD inside just a few laps in that number 15 car, so that's good news, but still no sign of the performance set most for car number 38. That's uh, competed only six laps in this session. The other car that's languishing at the very, very back of the field is the number three Corvette, 47th out of 48 cars. Uh, and uh, that's the car that was involved in the little incident earlier on with the Faf Porsche. Uh, I would fancy that car was was doing a long run at that stage uh, it's uh, it is out on track at the moment and with only about seven minutes to go now before the virtual checkered flag for the non-pro entries in this race uh, i think that number three car is probably going to be staying out for the qualifying sim before it will enjoy the final 15 yeah. minutes or so Had a couple of improvements lately uh, Michael Grenier from number 32 team Ford of Motorsports Mercedes just got himself up to fourth position in GTD. Uh, also a couple of improvements in LMP3. Nolan Siegel in the Junior 3 race in kind of a 30 up to third position. Uh, uh, and his, his teammate to Bajoy Garg in number 29 car also just improved to, to, to be next up on the charts behind uh, Bajoy, uh, behind Nolan Siegel. So third and fourth up to Junior 3 racing Ligiers. Uh, problems for Performance Tech Motorsport with their Ligier GSP320. Just six laps completed for that car, and it has been behind the wall for a little while as well. Corvette racing uh, with a little bit of lack of pace as well. Sitting uh, one off last, and the last of the GT cars, fifth, of course, in GTD Pro, but... Um, behind all of the GTD cars, so 
not been a happy morning there. A couple of cars being called for track limits at turn six. I won't do the bingo card for you, but that is going to be one of the places that is being watched very carefully indeed. Off-track moment for the number 74, uh, Josh Burden in his Riley a couple of moments ago, and that was coming through uh, to uh, through turn uh, nine into turn ten. Uh, let's go down to Shear in the pit lane, and we'll have a word with Matt Bell, who's been doing rather well. So, Matt, I was reminded you raced here in a GTD car back in 2014. How different is this place in a P3? Other Matt Bell. Other Matt. Other Matt Bell. We like to do that to everybody, just to keep it all confusing. So, um, yeah, no, 2014, I was just endurance races with uh, with Paul Miller. So, um, but yeah, we just like to keep everybody confused. So, what is it like to race an Indian P3 car then? I mean, it's been pretty cool so far. You know, the history of this place is, you know, it's one of the most iconic circuits in the world, never mind just in North America. So, it's certainly a tricky track, definitely has its challenges. Um, it's quite a complex technical circuit and it's one of the shortest laps that we do with uh, with the full grid uh, so the traffic management side of things is going to play a huge part in tomorrow's race it's uh, it's pretty crazy out there how important is qualifying going to be because it seems very chaotic running through the field yeah the, i think well, looking at the times here i mean it's nice to currently be p1 but the the field is is really packed it's super close between all the lap times so you know, when you have such tight uh, packing with the competition in uh, in lap time, track position is going to be king. So, uh, yeah, I think qualifying is going to be super important. Pit stops are going to be super important. You know, every single little detail is going to go into winning this race. Good luck this weekend. Thank you very much. And there's a third Matt Bell as well, actually, now, just to further uh, complicate uh, matters. Adam down in the pit lane there. Few improvements, Jeremy, as the cars that are going to be flagged off in about three minutes' time are doing their mock qualifying runs. You've mentioned a couple of them already, but there's a better time just come in in GTD. Uh, he is indeed. Michael Grenier, we talked about him a few minutes ago. He's gone faster again, now just second quickest in the GTD ranks. Still four tenths of a second behind that time set very much earlier by Laura Spinelli. But a good run for that number 32 car. He brings that car into the pits. Still three minutes remaining for the non-pro teams out there. Also improvements in uh, LMP3. Joy Garg in number 29 junior three racing engine. Just on ahead of his teammate Nolan Siegel. The uh, Indy Next Rookie of the Year. Uh, into third position in the class. Right behind them. Also an improvement, but not in position. For Wayne Boyd in the AWA car number 17. So uh, he's in fifth position now. And the top seven cars in LMP3 are covered by half a second. That's really tight. Uh, excellent effort in particular by John Jesbray in the number four car for Arve Motorsports. He's seventh, but uh, only half a second off the fastest time. And for his first time in an LMP3 car, excellent effort by the youngster from Texas. Yes. by looking at the wrong part of the timing screen. Now scroll back up to the top, and there's another problem. And another car in the gravel, and this will be another red flag. And it is the OrlandoCorp.com, number 13. That is Matt Bell's car. Yep. 
Matt Bell set that fast time by 0 0.003 over Dirk Dakota Dickerson. Uh, but uh, it's already driving that car right now. He will be qualifying that car uh, later on this afternoon. And he's found the gravel truck down. That's going to bring an end to the session for the non-pro uh, team. So anybody out there trying to qualify and see him right at the end, sorry, you missed your chance. Was there contact there with the number 18? Yes, uh, very know. close, Ryan DL there but i'm not sure we can convict him from the evidence that we've seen no, on the screens there race control will i'm sure take a look a, a look at that this is turn four drivers left and uh, the uh, i think he might have been having a moment before ryan dl arrived on the f on the scene to be honest but impossible to tell uh, there or he's fine oh, yeah. Adjacent, that's for sure. Adjacent, very good. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure I could overturn the uh, on-field umpire's decision with uh, what I've seen. <laughs> what I've seen there. Uh, let's go back to Shea, who's uh, picking up some of the drivers who've been out today. Mikkel Jensen next on the list. Mikkel, fastest guy in LMP2 by the end of the session. That's got to be a good feeling for you going into qualifying in the race. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's just practice, but the car is good. Uh, the team is doing a great job, so I think we have everything we, we need to go for the win this weekend. How important is that going to be, given how tight this championship battle is? It's super important. Uh, it's a crazy track with so many cars. You know, we do one, one 16 lap times, and we have 50 cars or 49 cars, so it's hard to get even one free lap out there. Uh, every lap you do is with traffic, so it's all about traffic in the race as well. You only have 10 cars that are faster than you out on the track. So is traffic as big of an issue? You're passing every lap. Yeah, we're passing, but it you never get a clean lap. You have to find your way by. The first sector is tricky. Turn 7, 8, 9, 10 is tricky because it's it's super narrow. Even the last two corners, so you can't really find your way by. You have to take some risks to, to get through and, and also be super smart. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. And the sound of a V8 engine behind the LMP3 means that Ori Fadani is back on his way. We're still under red flag conditions at the moment. Half a minute to go before the virtual uh, checker comes out. So as Jeremy said, I think that will be the end of the session for P2, P3 and GTD. Hello, everybody. Welcome along. If you are just joining us, we're going to have uh, just under 15 minutes to go uh, as we go back to green. It will be all exclusively for the GTP cars and for the GTD pros. Expect some quick times here and some drivers hanging it out just a little bit at RSL, uh, excuse me, at IMSA Radio. IMSA Radio on RST, part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels. Two races, two race weekends to go. And looking forward to this one immensely. Green flag flew about 15 seconds ago, and there's two distinct groups of cars out on to the circuit. The first one headed by Tom Blomqvist in the MSR Acura, number 60. In there as well uh, is the Corvette, surrounded by GTP cars, including three Porsches in there, I think. Yeah, this is going to be really interesting. 
And uh, if you look at the GTP times, uh, we talked about earlier on, all 10 cars covered by a hair over three quarters of a second, but eight of those 10 at the first eight uh, just 0.443 of a second between them. I mean, it is incredibly tight there between all of those uh, four different manufacturers, eight different cars. And uh, this, uh, this final 50 minutes of this session is going to be really, really interesting. You see now, I think, how fast these cars are capable of going. Uh, they'll probably go faster again in qualifying later on this afternoon, but you get a good gauge now of what the what sort of lap speeds are attainable around here. And we've heard a couple of drivers talk about the, the short track length here, 2.439 uh, miles. It's, this track is it's almost exactly the same length as, uh, as Canadian Time Sport Park. That's 2.459, so, you know, just... Uh, few meters basically difference there and somebody talked about the the difference between shorter track than than road atlanta well, road atlanta is 2.54 miles so it's about a tenth of a tenth of a, a mile shorter than uh, road atlanta but of course uh, road atlanta is a good bit faster in terms of laps laps uh, lap times there's only one slow corner there at the road atlanta whereas here there's several yeah it's exactly. busy it is busy very busy indeed. Jeremy Shaw, John Hindolf in the booth. Shit Adam in the pit line as the time inexorably counts down. 11 and a half minutes to go. Hello to Billy and to Gary B and to Kevin Luther and Alan Space all tuned in. Don't forget we'll have qualifying for you uh, with the World Feed TV pictures coming up for the first time for you away from the circuit and qualifying later on this afternoon whether you're in the US or further afield uh, no blocks no breaks and no subscriptions for that and then for those of you outside the US all the races this afternoon uh, in, and uh, indeed tomorrow available via the live video feed on imsradio.com We'll tweet it out as well, just to make sure you can click directly to it. Looking forward to a four-hour Michelin Pilot Challenge race tonight into the darkness. We had a practice session yesterday, if you weren't with us, that's finished at check and flag time, and it was probably dark. Uh, very, very dark in places. This is not this is yeah. not a track that is lit like. Daytona or other speedways because generally speaking they don't race in the dark even on the speedway here there are pools of light in places and uh, big honking black holes of dark in others to be quite honest that's exactly right John I got a text last night from uh, Jack Christensen who was a uh, one of the lead mechanics back in the Tasman motorsports days uh, uh, and also still a tremendous enthusiast he's out here camping on the infield good for him uh, Jack Brilliant. was telling me after the session last night that it's a lot darker than it looked. I'm not sure whether he could see a TV picture, but um, he said it was really dark out there. And I said, yeah, I mean, it's tough for us to tell those cars apart. I wonder whether some of them might uh, have some more illumination by the time they get round for the race tonight in Michelin Pilot Challenge. But that's something to look forward to this evening, is, is for sure, is that four-hour race. Uh, hi, Jerry Z, who's tuned in after a tough week, bug going around the office. Even the board meeting was cancelled. And been getting a new member of staff up to, up to speed. Well, glad you got some time, Jerry. Uh, presumably at home in Florida this weekend to uh, check out the racing.
from Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And coming through to the last few minutes. Yeah, Ricky Taylor's on a good lap. Yeah, and Corvette's getting stickers, I'm hearing. Ricky Taylor down towards the end of the lap where to where the alternative finish line would be for the Indy cars, but he has to come all the way to the line here, up onto the front straight, going in the opposite direction to what we see the single-seaters in the Indy 500, and goes to second place, just 0 0.019 of a second between first and second, another half a tenth between second and third, he goes straight on at turn one, but that was short-lived because Matt Campbell really getting himself dialed into this Porsche 963 prototype. A 1.49.40 pulled out nearly three tenths of a second, and Nick Yellowly comes through now in the 25 BMW in second and cuts that to two tenths of a second. Is that the first 14 we've seen this week so far? Uh, yes, indeed, it is. But uh, they were down in the 14s here in the test session back in July. 114.655 was the fastest time set by Conor Filippi in the uh, number 25 BMW. That's the car with which Nick Yellowly has just jumped from ninth to second, as you just described there, uh, at a 115.127. So still more time to come from here. There's an off-road excursion there for number 31. That is uh, Pippa Durrani off the road. All you've got to do is drag a front brake and the speeds here are so quick down into turn one, turn 12, turn seven. Um, you're struggling straight away. You're likely to be going off the circuit, which is really, you know, this is where the concentration has go. to come in. Yeah, Jimmy Bruni up to second position then in the Proton competition. Porsche number 59 and a 115.030 but Matty Campbell's really got the hammer down now that's the fastest time yet for a GTP car either uh, it's significantly faster than yesterday fastest time yesterday a 15.1 by Matt Campbell uh, but in the test a 14.655 well he's just said a 14.489 for Matty Campbell Sebastian Bourdais up to second position and a 114.6 Philip Eng a 14.6 in the caliber 24 as well. 14.8 for Matthew Jaminet in the number six portion. All change. New single tire for people. Right front, that was the one that he locked. Hello to Drew Adamson, who's on the grounds at IMS. Man at the head of broadcasting for iRacing. They race every single one of the current GTP cars from all four manufacturers in iRacing now with the most recent update. So if you want to find out how difficult it is to get slowed down from 200 miles an hour into turn one in a Porsche, a Cadillac, a BMW or an Acura, you can do that uh, with iRacing. Drew, one of the hardest working guys in virtual or real motorsport. He and his team based in Boston doing all of the major events for iRacing and their partners. Down to five and a half minutes remaining. Improvement from Sebastian Bourdais last time. So it's Porsche, Cadillac, BMW, Porsche, BMW, Porsche, Acura, Acura, Cadillac, Porsche for your top ten. But all of a sudden, Jeremy, 
that gap between first and tenth has doubled from three quarters of a second to a second and a half. Yeah, throwing overhand now. Uh, and uh, they're, they're really getting into the groove. Nick Yellowly just became the fifth driver to dip below the 115 bracket in the number 25 BMW, 114.915 for the Englishman. He's going faster again on this next lap as well. There's quite a few improvements on tap right now. Jimmy Bruni does improve, not quite, only by fractionally, however. Number 59 car remains in sixth position in a Proton Porsche and a 115.023. This is, if this is the portent of what we're going to see later on when we have the World Feed TV up for you for yeah. qualifying. There goes, there goes Yellowly, 14.562 now into second position for the number 24 BMW. Uh, and he's just been eclipsed by Philip Eng with the number 24 BMW. It's 25 for Nick Yellowly, 24 for Philip Eng. So Eng up to second position now in the top three cars. Followed by 0 0.073 of a second. Meanwhile, back in GTD Pro, there have been improvements there as well. Fastest time was uh, set a few minutes ago by Klaus Backler in the FAF Motorsports Porsche. Quickest of all the GTD cars, so faster even than that time that was set earlier by, uh, by uh, Marco Spinelli in number 78 Lamborghini. Backler has turned a 122.905. More improvements at meanwhile up in front in GTP. We've now got seven cars in the 14s. If you make that eight, make that eight. eight. Jimmy Rooney <laughs> has, has joined them uh, and improved to 114.7 in the 59 car for Proton competition. Really good effort by him to be ahead at the moment, at least, of Matthew Jaminet, number six Porsche Pinsky Motorsport car. Teammate, meanwhile, goes faster again. Maddie Campbell. Wow. 14.337. This is qualifying, right? Yeah, the, the, it might as well yeah. be. Uh -huh. uh, and we're, and we're back to, we were back for a moment to just on three quarters of a second until that two tenths of a second improvement by Matt Campbell has uh, blown the top ten out to 0.922 of a second. So just under a second for the whole GTP field on the 2.43 miles. 439 miles. This is impressive by Mattia Jaminer. These are Michelins that are not in the first flush of youth here. Uh, and uh, he is managing to ring lap time after lap time out of them. Did do a little bit of a cooling down lap uh, previously. But if this, again, I'll say this, get yourself somewhere where you can uh, find, burn some data or you can get plugged in, and whether you're here in the States or further afield, make sure you get onto the world feed. It's all free for qualifying. We are going to see a battle royale coming up after this session, whether you're here at the uh, track listing on IMSA Radio RS2 or further afield and around the world. We will have that inside story of the uh, IMS Museum. That will play in between the gap before we have our first race of the weekend, the Lamborghini Super Trofeo. Brian and Jeremy will take you through that. And that's, as I say, on RS2. For those of you listening on the PA, Chris and Alan will take you through qualifying for Michelin Pilot Challenge. Down towards the start of the lap again for Mathieu Javanier. Another 14 last time around, 14.314. This is impressive, Jeremy. It is. Uh, and that lap time, last lap time, 14.314, that would be good enough 
for a second position as well. He's at, there's only 0 0.067 between the two Penske Porsches at the moment, but uh, Jamie has turned two of those laps quicker than Maddie Campbell, so really good effort by him at the moment. And just, uh, just over seven tenths covering the top nine cars, ninth being Pippa Durrani in car 31. Not often you say that, is it? But uh, Sebastian Bordeta, he proved on his previous lap, they turned slow lap, looked like he was getting ready for what, maybe one more quick lap towards the end yep. of this Cheers. session. Cheers. As Maddie Campbell goes faster again, uh, again in car number seven, uh, 1 minute 14.218 now for Matt Campbell in car number seven for Porsche Penske Motorsport. His teammate, Chamonix, 0.052 of a second behind with a 270. Gilles Gunot improved. Uh, as well last time around, second in GTD Pro for the red, white and blue, number 79 WeatherTech Racing AMG. But at the moment, it's the battle of the Porsche Penske Motorsport, Porsche 963 GTPs at the front of the field. Time is about to run out. Porsche's using, able to use the kerbs, I've noticed. They are pretty flat here in places. Checkered flag is out. Here comes Matt Campbell towards the end of the lap, coming to turn 12 now. Turns in, doesn't use the kerb there. Now is he coming in? What does the Delta say on the screen? Now he's staying out, he must feel that there's yeah. an improvement here. Well, he was purple in sector one, not quite an improvement in sector two, but it's another good lap here from Matt Campbell in number seven. Another improvement by Gilles Gounon as he goes to the line, but he still sits second in GTD Pro. Here comes Campbell and goes to a 14.085, only just missing out on a 73 second lap. That is very impressive indeed. His teammate Matthew Jaminet now, the better part of two tenths of a second, but still running at the moment. Uh, he comes to the line now and does not improve. 14.912. Eng is in the pits. Yellowly has seen the chequered flag. Sebastian Bourdais is across the line and doesn't improve. Tom Blomqvist improved on his last lap to a 14.6, but that's only good enough for sixth position for the MSR number 60 Acura. What a run, Jeremy. What a run for Matt Campbell. It wasn't just the last lap. It was all of those laps that he posted. That was super impressive for the longevity of the tyre on that 9.63. And both of those cars, uh, some, I mean, 2.8 seconds ahead of the rest of the field. If that was qualifying, they would have locked out the front row and three tenths from second back to third. That's impressive. Yeah, that really is impressive. That was a, some really impressive laps there for the Australian Matt Campbell. Uh, and he, uh, once again, is fastest as he was uh, yesterday in the first pre-practice session. As you say, this is only practice. It's not qualifying. That'll be later on this afternoon, but I'm excited. I think it's going to be a really a lot of fun this afternoon. And uh, I think it's uh, not beyond the realm. I think it's quite likely, actually, we'll see the times in the 13s yeah. when we come down to qualifying. You did mention that Tom Blomquist improved on his fastest on his last lap. Indeed, he did. And he absolutely matched the time by oh, Sebastian yes. Bourdais, 114.603. But Bourdais had done that first, so uh, he is shown ahead uh, in those two fifth and Correct. sixth. Just remember... And, uh, Sorry, Jeremy, go ahead. Well, just, just really tight from, from third down to ninth, uh, just uh, four-tenths of a second uh, covering those seven cars. Just remember this, the track temperature was 26 Celsius. 
which is 79 Fahrenheit, and the air temperature at the end of that session, 20 degrees Celsius, 68 Fahrenheit. Let's see what nice. we get. That's nice. That is nice. Let's see what we get when we go qualifying. We'll have that for you in sound and vision. It's all free, no interruptions. Uh, and no blocks and no subscription either. If you go to imsa.tv or imsaradio.com and then uh, click uh, on the menu button and pick live video, simple as that. Whether you're here in the States or further afield, you can follow along with Shea Adam, Jeremy Shaw and me, John Hangdorf. Uh, we'll have that for you later on this afternoon. Stay tuned on RS2 now uh, as we take you inside the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Museum. Uh, for those of you here at the track, there's more track action coming up with Pilot Challenge and their qualifying session. Chris and Alan, I'll take you through that one from John Hindorf and the rest of the IMSA Radio team for now from IMS. Bye-bye. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, check imsaradio.com and subscribe to IMSA Radio wherever you get your podcasts.